Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Brief Talk podcast. We have on today a brand which I know many of you know through us because we've always, well, for me personally, because I love singlets and they make lovely singlets and spandex workout gear and all sorts of wonderful things that I love. LED Queens is Cesar Torres. Welcome Hello. to the show. Thank you. It's a, it's a delight to be here. Thank you. And I will say he listened to all our podcasts. He told me beforehand, and I asked him if he listened to our worst podcast, Winter Underwear, and he said yes. And I'm like, I'm sorry. There's no <laughs> excuse for that podcast. No, you know what? I love the fact that you leave your whole archive up because it really shows how hard you've worked on developing the podcast and your own brand. I, I have the same thing. You know, when I've had my podcast or even TikToks, oh. like I leave everything up and there's some cringe moments, but you know what? People like it when you keep it real. Like not everybody's. We do, and that is hard. So if you're just joining us, don't listen to that one. If you've got to skip, <laughs> if you need to like cut some time down, winter underwear is not about winter underwear. It's about everything but, and it's kind of a train wreck. So don't even bother. It's it's just the way it is. We have some other really great episodes if you want to listen. That's just not one of them. I can fully admit when I suck. So welcome, welcome. You have an amazing brand that's been around for a while. You started... uh, we're going to celebrate five years this year. Is it five already? It will be five in July, <sighs> which is to me, it's both short and really long. I can't believe it's been five years, uh, but yeah, half a decade in July. Isn't that amazing though? Because you think back when you first started, you're like, oh, that was so long ago. And then it's like, no, that was just like yesterday. And in terms of businesses, it's truly basically um, not even a newborn. It's still kind of an embryo. As you know, you know, most businesses, small businesses don't really make it. So to even make it to the five-year mark is incredible for any brand. And I'm really proud to have gone this far. And it's not just because of my my design talents or the ideas we put out there. The reason we got here is truly because of the customers. We have the best fucking customers in the world. Well, you have some of the best gear because I have one of your singlets. I forget which one around here somewhere. Uh, I have they're all grouped together, all like 20 something of them. So. <laughs> is it one of our striped ones or the other? Designs? Um, it's I want to say it's one of the 80s ones. Yeah, 80s retro. Yep. Yep, we I make to, a lot of those. I think you still have it. I still have it. And then a friend of mine who's never bought a singlet bought one of yours. And he's like, oh, my God, why have I never bought one of these before? And I'm like, oh, my God, I don't know. <laughs> um, I've been buying them since I was like 18. So, yeah, me too. Yeah. When you had to go to an actual sporting goods store that sold wrestling gear. At, uh, I went to high school at Lane Tech here in Chicago, Lane Tech High School, which is this gigantic technical high school. And, you know, they had a very big uh, number of sports teams. But I remember there was a store across the street where you would buy the, you know, you could get like your Letterman jacket, you know, you get that oh, stuff. Yeah. But they also had all the sports equipment, like football uniforms, the wrestling singlets that were branded for the, the school. And I wasn't on the team because, again, I, I was a fat kid yeah. and I didn't have the self-confidence to try out for the teams. But I used to go and browse and I'd be like, oh, my God, if I could just have a wrestling singlet. So I didn't really make my first purchase of a singlet until uh, like around college age, you know. Okay. But I was already wanting one since uh, I was in high school. But my first piece of spandex that I ever bought for myself, uh, I bought at about age 14 or 15. 
And it was also here in Chicago. It was a pair of biker shorts with a oh. bright neon stripe on the sides. Oh, yes. So people who know my designs won't be surprised because some of the first designs we ever put out were solid black with these neon stripes mm-hmm. on, uh, along the side. And I really wish I still had that piece because that's something that kind of really started it all. And it's not just fetish or obsession. It was one of the beginnings of understanding myself as a queer person. So, I, you know, who, wherever it is, if it's in a landfill, I, I I send you my my hello, those spandex shorts, because they were beautiful. <laughs> oh, yes, I remember. I remember those quite well. I had a good collection back in the day and uh they never did keep up. You had to have, they would wear out and you're like, I don't want to get rid of it. Well, yes. the, the quality of the nylon spandex from those years, because the, the industry's evolved a lot and fabrics have changed oh, yeah. a lot. Uh, they were, so the way I would describe those is the spandex from that portion of the 80s and 90s had a shine that was almost as shiny as pantyhose. It was gorgeous. Yes. But they would wear out quite quickly, especially like in the crotch and whatever. It just didn't it didn't last forever. But uh, they are really um, amazing artifacts of fashion because it's hard to reproduce that type of spandex nowadays. Yeah, it's I remember that shiny. Oh, it was amazing. wonderful. <laughs> oh my god, I would wear it when I went to the gym, I would wear it and had no clue what I was doing. So but I was only like 18, 19. No clue. I just went to the gym just to wear spandex. That was the only reason I went. Uh yeah. So tell us how did you come about LED Queens? What was the thing that made you go, I'm gonna make some amazing gear? <laughs> the first thing uh people need to know about the story of LED Queens is that it is a superhero origin story. You know how there's Clark Kent or Peter Park and they're mm-hmm. Peter Parker and they're journalists. They work at the newspaper and then at night or whatever, they're in their tights and capes and doing their thing. Well, my my life, uh, now that I look back on it, you know, I'm almost 50, I'm 47 now. Uh, it there it's some there's something like that in my story because I studied journalism at Northwestern University's Medill School of Journalism, which is one of the best journalism schools in in the country. And uh, I worked in the industry as a journalist for uh, Ars Technica, Condé Nast, Wirecutter for 25 years, more than 25 years in the, I, I was even a professor at Northwestern for journalism. And so uh, all that time I was, of course, uh, grounded in journalism, but I was very, very creative. And uh, what many people do know once they get to know me is that I've also been a fiction writer since I was like 12. And one of my dreams when I was a boy was to be like Stephen King or Clive Barker uh, or Octavia Butler, you know, my, some of my favorite mm-hmm. writers. And that's really where the superhero origin story begins because I was working in New York. And at the time I was working for, again, Ars Technica, Condé Nast, Wirecutter, which is part mm-hmm. of the New York Times. And on paper, you know, and the experience was I had one of the best journalism jobs in the country. I was an editor in New York working for these these people. And I had a, I had a blast. But during those years, I had already um, written and published uh, my own books. I chose to self-publish. I had already tried going through agents. But my agents reject the agents rejected uh, my manuscripts most often because they said we don't know how to market this. 
because a lot of my books were about queer characters, queer characters mm-hmm. with obsessions with spandex and superheroes, or uh, trans characters, non-binary characters, and they were people of color. And at the time in publishing, we're talking like the aughts, okay. uh, you know, the industry still hadn't woken up to the fact that we need diversity in books. And so at a certain point, I was like, you know what? Screw this. I I know how to produce a book. I'm going to publish my own. And so I published two series that kicked off at the same time. One is The Coil, and that one is very much like Blade Runner meets Pan's Labyrinth. Scary, scary dystopian future with Aztec gods haunting people here in, 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 you know, in, in the U.S. and also our political system becoming more fascistic and horrible the way it is today that was one series let's say you you were ahead of your time on that one i was uh the other series is how to kill a superhero and that eventually became four books the series is complete but that's really the beginning of led queens when i published those books i had my job in new york the books are going out and i was like i've got to promote these books and i had an amazing opportunity from the Leather Archives Museum here in Chicago, uh, they used to do uh, an open call for book authors to have a spot at their author table at IML every year. And I applied, but I was a nobody. I mean, I was in the leather community, still am, uh, but I, you know, I didn't compete. I wasn't a judge. I was nobody. And I just sent them my application and I sent them the books and I said, you know, here's book one. It's about a queer superhero obsessed with the spandex costumes and lycra tights. And um, and he likes you know bondage and leather, okay? So they said, yeah, we would love to have you at the table. Here's your spot. You'll be there three days. Here, you know, you just have to bring your books and all your merch and you can sell whatever you want. So I did, and that really is how things kicked off because I made two choices. Nice. One was, I told myself, Cesar, don't do anything stupid. Like, thinking you have to wear something author-like to an event like that. (laughs) If you're representing superhero fetish and spandex fetish, you better live your life the way you've already been living it before you publish these books. So I had a custom superhero suit branded to the the books made for me and by a lovely community member, somebody in in the spandex community. They, They made it for me. It was amazing. And I also decided to not make traditional merch. I mean, I had a couple of T-shirts, but I was like, I want to create something made out of spandex to reflect the obsession with superheroes and those spandex tights that they wear. So I manufactured um, wrestling singlets that had the logo of the book series uh, on it. So it was all black uh, with a yellow circle and the little head inside. People thought it looked like Batman, but it wasn't Batman. It was just like a a shape with a mask. And... um, I sold out of those singlets. I just made a really tiny run of them. I mean, I, I swear to God, like, I think I made like 10 or 12. And when I sold out of those, I just sort of said, okay, that was cool. I didn't think much of it, Tim. But people started asking me later on Tumblr and on Twitter. And they were like, are you going to have more of those singlets? And the books were selling really well. And I was like, I don't know. I, you know, I... This is where, like, I think I was still in that journalist, Peter Parker, Clark Kent mode. I was like, I just see myself as a book author and a journalist, and I'm glad I I was creative in promoting these books, but, like, I don't know if I'm ready to make more singlets, right? 
But then I did. <laughs> I made another <laughs> run because the second book had a different color. It was red. So I was like, this time we're going to make the singlets red with the logo or the image in the center black. Those sold out too. And I was like, oh, this is kind of a thing. So I started just making these very small batches of singlets and um, shipping them. The series, you know, was growing. And at the same time, I had the other book series, The Coil. So I had already published book one. And that book is called 13 Secret Cities. By the time I arrived at 2016, this is totally like a superhero story. I was, I was in a crisis because my day job really was amazing. I was managing editor of Wirecutter. And we were just months away from being acquired by the New York Times, which is this... It's what every startup mm -hmm. dreams of having them having done. But that summer, I just wasn't feeling well, Tim. Like, I was not sleeping well, very stressed out. I looked like shit. And I thought, I'm just going to work remotely from Chicago for a little bit. Because Chicago was home, you know, my, my family. Mm -hmm. So I go work from Chicago. And I swear to God, after two weeks of being here and also throwing my back out because I threw out my back. Oh. Another sign of stress. Uh, I was like, something told me inside. It said, you need to change something in your life. Because if you go on this path, your obsession with being uh, productive and a worker and always working, 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 this is going to kill you. Because I didn't, mm -hmm. I didn't hate my day job. My day job was amazing. But I was doing too many things all at once. And um, I decided that summer, I was like, you know what? This is, sounds like the craziest thing anyone could do, especially if you're a gay and Mexican journalist, because there's not too many of those. Mm -hmm. I walked away from my job. I said, I need a break from this. I didn't want to continue. I didn't even care that I would uh, get a little bit, a chunk of money out of like the acquisition, because I had like a little fraction of um, equity. I, I walked away from all of that. I was like, who cares? <laughs> so, and so what I did that summer was I took time to myself. I started teaching that year at Northwestern because I was here in Chicago. So I, while I was doing that, it opened up some of my time and I was able to focus. And, you know, the books st still were coming. So I did something very strange, which is uh, I do some things by intuition. I think that's the artist part mm -hmm. of me. Uh, one day I set up uh, a URL and I set up a shop and I had designed like four or five t-shirts that were inspired by the uh, the psychologist and friend of Freud back in the day, uh, Carl Jung. And I was mm -hmm. just trying to develop ideas about archetypes. So I made these t-shirts and I experimented. I put t-shirts there and I had taught myself a lot of things over the years, but uh, all my Photoshop and Illustrator skills, like I was like, let me try this pattern on a pair of tights because people still wanted the singlets but i i really mm -hmm. wasn't pushing the pedal tim i was like people are asking me for more singlets and i i was just you know i was like i don't know but i made these uh tights and i put them in the store so i had like 10 t-shirts eventually and uh like a pair of tights but it was like a test product it wasn't even it was only visible in search <laughs> and oh, so nice and so this is the best part and i hope anybody who's starting their own business that you really pay attention to these parts of like superhero origin stories because I was still in crisis. I hadn't resolved all the stress of my life and like, like, you know, what was going on with my career and my books. But at the same time, I, I just kept on going and I decided to name that, that website, that store one, three SC 
uh, fitness apparel. And 13SC stands for 13 Secret Cities, which is my first mm-hmm. book in the coil. And uh, I did it. This, this is going to sound so foolish. I did it because I was like, this just sound, this looks like one of those brands on Instagram of like fitness wear. Like it's always like an acronym or whatever. And oh, like yes. stack up really nicely. And uh, I marketed the, I mean, I set it up in Instagram. It was 13SC Apparel. Like that was the handle on Instagram. And um I put the t-shirts there. I modeled a couple of them. And my my real fallacy there was that I was marketing these images and the, the, the clothing to a broad general audience. In my foolish mind, I thought, oh, this is something everybody would like because I was designing these uh, archetypes by, you know, Carl Jung. Like, I mean, most of them were like these very abstract shapes. And for almost a year, Tim, no one bought shit from me. <laughs> nobody uh, nobody was coming to that store and i was on instagram and still putting stuff out there but it was always the t-shirts and uh inside the store you could also get my books so people who knew the how to kill superhero books and the coil they would sometimes buy the books and i swear to god like this is when it finally changed like about a year later somebody went in and found the test product of those tights which were you know of course connected mm-hmm. to the books and they bought them and they they emailed me and they said, I love these tights. I love the design. When are you going to have more? And that's when I really had the come to, we're not going to say Jesus because we're actually going to just come to the goddess moment. I had the come to the goddess moment. <laughs> and uh, I really, I was like, I, I feel lost. I've never felt lost as a person, but I was like, I was like, my identities are like being pulled apart because there's a part of me that still wants to be Mr. Journalist, Northwestern, Medill. But then there's this other thing happening with entrepreneurship and the store mm-hmm. that somehow I can't let go. And so um, I decided to, like I told you, keep pressing the pedal. I did a bit of a, I have a very good friend. He's not even a business person. He's just a very smart, clever human being. And I went on a short trip with him. We went to Cedar Point here in the Midwest and mm-hmm. we spent the whole weekend together. Uh, we're not dating. We used to date, but we just did it for fun. And so um, I told him, I said, you know, would you mind spending some time with me brainstorming some of some new names for this store? Because 13SC apparel doesn't stick in people's minds. It People don't remember it. And since many people don't know the books yet, there's no reference point. It's just a number, like a series of letters and numbers and no one cares. And so he was like, yeah, I'll help you. So we did, you know, I've worked on this in corporate life before. So you go through all these branding exercises and you ask these questions of like what represents the brand and what colors and animals represent it. And you create these gigantic columns and you eventually reduce them into mm-hmm. what becomes like maybe, you know, four or five names. And then we did a quick product test. Like we just texted friends and family. And the question was, there's there's uh, two names, you know, two, two or three names here. Which one of these would you want if you just only had heard of the name? And, and here's the names. People will like this. The The questions was, uh, what, what, would you like it if it's called Electric Peach uh, or uh, Neon Alchemist or LED Queens? And I swear to God, Tim, every single person that we texted, every single friend and family member, was like, whatever the fuck is called LED Queens, I want it. It just sounds it just <laughs> sounds so gay. It sounds so cool. 
And that's that's how it got named. And it, it wasn't named by me, technically. What we did was we looked at the feedback that the customers were giving me. We looked at the feedback that the customers and readers were giving me about the books. And I looked at the aesthetic that we were developing on Instagram. And I was like, yeah, LED Queens is, is correct. It also happens to be part of the books. People don't know this, but in one of my books, there's a, a trio of artificial intelligences that come from the future into <laughs> the present, and they are called the LED Queens. So they're, they're actually nice. kind of like the whole mythology. But, but we also use the name to uh, honor New York, like Queens, New York, because I mm -hmm. live there. Not in Queens, but I live in Brooklyn and Manhattan. And then LED to make it futuristic, really bright, really positive, because LED lights, especially nowadays, people use them all the time. It just, it's meant to invoke neon and color. And so that that was the origin of the name. And that only got me as far as creating the new name. What came after that, and that's the last five years, is developing the brand, which is a joy. It's super difficult. It's interesting because as a queer person oh, yes. and a person of color, I have advantages and disadvantages that white creators don't. <laughs> and um and I am loving what I'm doing. I mean, to fast forward that that superhero crisis, like the Peter Parker, Clark Kent thing, mm -hmm. uh, it has been kind of, um, the way I would describe it today is, I think the closest analog I have now is more like Tony Stark, which is okay. that I've melded all my identities into just myself. Cesar Torres. Like, I don't even promote the How to Kill Superhero books with the... Um, the, the pen name Pablo Green, I've told everybody, I'm like, no, Cesar Torres writes those books. And if I ever write, you know, I think else related to that, it'll just be under my name. And same with journalism and writing. I'm still publishing books. My next one comes out on May 20th, uh, Hall of Mirrors. But I feel more comfortable with myself by integrating and in individuating everything about myself. And that is a huge part of the story because honestly, there's an analog to our own queer identities. It's a lifetime of trying to understand yourself. Mm -hmm. And I really feel like LED Queens, that project and the brand that I'm running today is something that's helping me define who I am. And I'm lucky enough that we get to service the LGBTQ community while we do it. So. You know, the, the most interesting piece to me is actually like the last five years. But I think for the listeners, they'll probably like that that uh, early part, the origin story, because it was not easy. And most of yeah. it had to do with the biggest obstacle. The biggest obstacle in my life was me and the limitations that I had set on my mind, because I was really telling myself, you can't do that. You can't do fashion. You can't model your own. Mm -hmm. And uh, over the years, I've discovered I'm like, no, you can do quite a few things. So yes. it's, uh, yes. that's where we're at today. Uh, and that's why nice. you know, LED Queens is, is who I am. And then it's also who, what the community is. Cause it's a reflection of our community. Nice. Well, we'll say that is the most interesting origin story we've had for a brand. <laughs> uh, it's the most in depth one we've had too. Cause I like guests like you who like to talk on a podcast yeah. because there's nothing worse than a guest who just gets like two word answers and it's like this is the podcast you can't nod your head well and and tim here's the thing like you know in the world of fashion business entrepreneurship you know a lot of people go in it for one very specific reason they go i'm in it for the money i'm here for mm -hmm. profits i'm here to have a retirement i want to buy a boat or a yacht or whatever and then there's a few people who go into it for passion 
right? Like their passion led them there. Uh, I think my story is a little different. Uh, I yeah. never, I never went into it for money. I think art is what drove me in there. But along the way, I think because I've been a journalist and just of who I am, because I go in depth into topics and research, at a certain point, I realized I was like, you know what? I have a bachelor's, a master's, but what I'm missing here is the experience and knowledge of an MBA. And I'm really glad I didn't go to school to get an MBA. What's been happening over the last decade for me is I've hands-on gotten the skill set of an MBA. It's just, it's very challenging because if you are not a good listener, (laughs) then you're not getting that MBA firsthand. Your business will tank. The business will tank. Yeah. So, um, I think I'm very different than most entrepreneurs because I think the entrepreneurial spirit was in me a long time ago, but I didn't service it until very recently, only in the last 10 years. Yeah, you and me both, because if you would have told me 15, 20 years ago, hey, you'll be doing your own thing, making money and not having taxes taken out and doing all the fun stuff that you hate, like accounting. I would have been like, you're insane. There's no way I'm doing that. <laughs> no, you're insane. Right, right, no. right. And here now, you are. And now I'm doing it, and I'm having debate to go back into the world of business just for a short time. But I'm like, all right, it's a means to an end. I really want to work for myself because I don't want to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm not happy, mm-hmm. but, you know, I'm going to have to do it for a little bit. Just for insurance and money, yeah. and but I'm like, I don't want to do it long. But that resonates because all of us, all of us small businesses go through the same thing. You know, for people who have never done this, I hope you get to experience that for yourself one day if you're interested. But every single business, as long as you're not getting like VC funding or like a major investment, oh, yeah. generally, it's a struggle. And a lot of businesses and business owners make these huge sacrifices for years in order to get ahead. And uh, that's part of myself too. I've, the way that I live now is very different than like my life in New York uh, or through my career, because I have had to choose a few things like differently. I mean, I, I'm really due for a vacation and I do take vacations, which is cute. But uh, like a destination travel kind of thing, that's been on hold for quite a while because my priority has been to get LED Queens to grow. And it has grown. It has paid off. You know, when people look at these, especially, you know, queer businesses and they go, oh, my God, they're having fun and they must just be like, it's just oh, like, yeah. and I'm like, no, it's really not like that. And uh, you you can tell, like, I'm the group, people who know me here in Chicago, like, they'll, they'll go, oh, OK, you know, they're they're going to Miami and Europe and whatever. And I go, yeah, I'm, I'm staying here because not only do I have to, you know, run the business, but like, I'm still making some sacrifices until, you know, the business is fully on its feet. Uh, which, as we know, could oh. take up to a decade or more. Yes, because a lot of people don't seem to understand when you have your own business that you always work because you don't have vacation time because yep. you are the boss. Yep. So when I've gone on vacation before, I would work, and they're like, why are you working? It's vacation. I'm like, only for you. I have tons of stuff I have to do. So, yes, I am here, but I'm in work mode for the first part of the day. So just mm-hmm. leave me alone. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. if you go somewhere, you have to have somebody you can trust with your business to fulfill orders, to do all that stuff, because you can't ship stuff 
for a week and people go, um, where's my order? There's nothing worse. Yeah. Than that because they get bitchy when their order does not come when they expect it to. Trust me, I had that with the post office before this past year, and that was a nightmare. Well, and, and that's that conversation, right? Which is that, you know, these things always seem so glamorous on the outside, but uh, really becoming a good business person and uh, understanding how your own business operates and designing it as a system where if you are sick or if you have a surgery, like you can take a little time off, that is what most business owners should be focusing on. Mm-hmm. I think most business owners, especially when they're small, they focus on the stuff that isn't that important. And that's why when they get sick, or they can't be there, things fall apart because it's been constructed so that they're the only conduit to to get the things done. And um, I only say this because I've made my own mistakes that way. Uh, you know, we stopped we stopped fulfilling from Chicago, which is my home office, years ago. Uh, because about like in year two, I was like, this is this is gonna crush me. And truly, if something happens to me, I'm fucked. Because there's all this gear here at my house and like has to be shipped. Uh, and so um, I've changed that. And now we fulfill from various places. But it's still never easy. What really counts the most, honestly, and, and my customers know this. I, I feel comfortable saying this. We do this for them. And uh, customer service is a huge part of what we do. And you mentioned delays. Um, those have been happening for at least two years, these massive delays from COVID, uh, supply chain, et cetera. And they're kind of getting worse because they're now they're more erratic. There's less consistency to the issues. Like for example, we have a customer now, we shipped them a singlet to, to London or no, to Scotland, sorry. And, uh, it's been held by the post office in the UK for four weeks and, you know, I check in on the tracking almost every day and I follow up with the customer before they're able to follow up with me. And I go, we're keeping an eye on this. You know, if 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 it takes this much longer, we will take these next steps. Those are the things that I've appreciated about brands that I'm passionate about. Yes. And those are the things that, you know, if you just want to be good at this uh, part of the business, like... If you can't do it or you can't deal with the customer that way, you better delegate it because you're going to lose your business if you cannot keep the customers well-serviced and supported. Oh, yes, especially that. And, of course, shipping is the one area you have no control once it leaves your hands or where you're shipping from. Right. And you're like – and that's where it causes you the most headaches. And the way the customer perceives it. They, yours. they think it's yours, your issue. And some, sometimes you have to clarify and say, we don't have control over what the U.S. Mm-hmm. Postal Service does. But yet there's still a little more you can do as a brand to just make them feel a little bit safer and to just try to do your best get it, to get a good outcome. Sometimes the outcome is not great. I mean, sometimes True. it does get lost or the customer is not happy. But, um, you know, again, these are just things that um, are actually really fun to learn. And I've... I would recommend this for anybody, especially now for queer or entrepreneurs of color. You know, right now is a really good time for opportunities. It's just, uh, I think I'll just say this maybe the third time. It's not glamorous at all. And it is harder. It is way harder than you think. No, it is not glamorous because most brands that you see on Instagram who you think are glamorous or look amazing if it's not the really big brands like Calvin Klein to exist, those big brands, 
it's like three, maybe four people doing everything. The pictures, yeah, the pictures look glamorous and fun, but... And then my personal favorite is, oh my god, a photo shoot's got to be so much fun. And I'm like, no, it's really not. (laughs) I'm glad you brought up photo shoots, because I've heard you talk so many times on um, previous episodes about it, especially with other brands. And... um, and something I also feel very passionate about, uh, you know, especially when we put out calls here in Chicago for any modeling stuff, I always have to set the expectations of the models because uh, what we focus on a lot is product photography. And yes. you know, Tim, that product photography is its own field, even yes. within photographers. If anybody ever tries to lie to you that they've done product photography, you'll know in a second because it's not glamorous it's actually something really no. technical and uh, it, it does require a skill and uh, that's honestly where we put a lot more focus on so if you look at our instagram and on our website there's some modeled shots like gorgeous people not me but you know people who are even mm-hmm. you know have a better shape than me but those are sometimes just done for style for effect for marketing but what really is the core of the brand is we want to see how the customers look in the gear. So on our Instagram, as many times as we can, we post the customers wearing it because they're better models than actual models in my mind. Uh, And then when we do use models, uh, it is, uh, we focus so much on product photography and for models who have modeled with us, you know, it is weird because they go, what do you mean my face isn't going to be in there? And I go, yeah, and you're going to have to stand in these very stiff positions Since. because that's when the customers come to our website. It's that image from many angles with the white background. Like that's yes. the photography. And um, it's really fun, but also, again, there's no glamour in it. And to, to be honest, I think for, for LED, like we're developing our aesthetic always. But I think that um, still photography you know, it's, it belongs in Instagram. There's great selfies. People take them. But to me, I think that the next wave, like the area that I'm interested in, is di- is more dynamic. Like video and 3D modeling yes. is way more interesting. And that's why, um, you know, some of you may know what I look like. Some of you don't. But if you really want to see what I look like, visit our LED Queens uh, TikTok. Because that's really the owner of the business living and breathing the product and talking to you about what it is. And uh, it's so much fun. It's not just dancing. I mean, we talk about ideas and topics and queerness, representation. And it's something that you just cannot get from most other brands. Most other brands, you know this, Tim, like even the mid-sized ones, they just want to sell you typical fit bodies, looking very glossy, looking very sexy, and nothing else. And I go, this is not the queer world we live in. Queer people get activated and engaged by ideas and community. Yeah. And that's the very simple recipe we follow for what we do on social media. It's about encouraging everybody to be their best selves, to style themselves with color, whatever they want, and um, validate the lives of queer people because we're invisible to most of the world. And I'm True. sick of it. I'm sick of it. So that's why I make bright well, colorful clothing. <laughs> Well, the one good thing though that's happened in the last five years or so is you're seeing more representation. It's yes. coming in. Yes. And like we said before, it's a lot of the smaller brands doing it, getting body positive people, people of color, which typically haven't been in the industry before. Mm-hmm. And 
all sorts of great things happening that sort of reflects the community that you're selling to. Yeah. And not just the pretty white boy, which it's always been. If you've seen the Abercrombie uh, documentary on Netflix. You know I watched it last week. Yeah. Uh, Everyone should watch that. It is. It's everything you think it is. And my exact words to a friend of mine, because I watched it and went over to their house. I said, only gay could come up with something this evil. I was like, he. Well, a, a, a self-hating, a self-hating gay could, could generate that. People who so, are secure in who they are and their own queerness would not do what that person did. No, but he was just, I was like, because years ago, I don't know if I told this on, I've told this story many times in the last couple of weeks. I don't think I've told it on the podcast. I was at Lenox Mall here in Atlanta, mm-hmm. having at the food court, eating lunch or eating something. I don't remember what it was. And at the table next to me, there were two hot people. And the one goes, I can't believe I'm in the stock room now. They hired so-and-so. He's so much hotter than me. So now he's up front and I'm in the back at Abercrombie. And this was the 90s, 2000s. And I'm going, and I was like, oh, I've got to get a little closer and hear this conversation. And I'm like, are you really surprised? Come on now. Well, we all felt it. I never shopped from that brand, but I could feel it in waves from the people who we're engaging with the brand, but also the stores themselves. I was like, this is just so freaking white. And, um, <laughs> and I'm not I, welcome here. And, you know, there is one thing here, and I, I do want to share this as well. Um, you know, we're still trying to evolve also the, the models that we use. And this also must be clarified a lot here because uh, on the website, you'll see me modeling a lot of the products. Uh-huh. We, we have other models, and then we have myself. But one of the main reasons I model is not because I think I'm great looking, but it's because of budget. Sometimes it's just easier to shoot me (laughs) because I even shoot myself. But one thing that is interesting here, and it's just, this is just really personal. It doesn't have to do with the customers is it does make me a little teary eyed because um, I grew up with WWF wrestling, uh, the Olympics, Mm -hmm. The International Male Catalog, uh, male dancers wearing spandex in 1980s videos, superheroes, and all those years, especially when I was a teen, you know, very young human being, I don't, I didn't understand how I could ever generate tears from not seeing myself represented in those images. But then, as I got to be an adult, I mean, I, I realized I was like, how, how did I go all those years without ever really feeling like? there was a version of myself or my, my family up there, you know, people who look like me. And so to, to model my own stuff on the website today, um, you know, again, I, it's not something I enjoy it, but I don't actually want to be doing it. So anybody who's listening, you're welcome to come model for us. I mean, we want to see your portfolio, (laughs) but uh, one thing that has happened is I did realize for a moment, I go, Oh wait, there is probably a queer Latinx brown kid out there somewhere googling spandex tights or whatever and they land at led queens and suddenly the narrative is a little different maybe Mm -hmm. for them they do see like their 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 mexicanness reflected in the face and the features and the body and i go oh my god well that does make me want to cry just for myself i I mean i don't i don't think i'm saving the world or anything like that but i can see what my narrative has been which is that I already felt when I was a young person that the representation wasn't up there. And eventually I was like, well, I may as well just go 
up there. But there's still more to be done. We still want more models, more people. And we want all the shapes and sizes. Yes. Uh, we also want people who have disabilities and we can try to like style them the best way we can with how our, our stuff is designed. So we have a long way to go. If I was to rate my own website today, I still only give it probably like, like a C plus because of what I think needs to happen going forward. But we are such a small business still, we don't have these massive budgets, budgets. to create these big photo shoots because photography really is a, a, a drain on a business. And so uh, yes. we, we do what we use the systems that have helped me when I worked with startups like Wirecutter, Ars Technica, all these places. Uh, we've used technology to help us scale. And that's one of the reasons why I model stuff and why we use TikTok in a particular way or how we do certain presentations of marketing materials. Because at the moment, we just don't have loads of cash to get yep. every right person in there. But in the meantime, I'm like, we're going to figure it out. And um, that's why you see me there. So, so over time, hopefully you won't see me there as often. But, you know, it's it's a joy. It's a, it's a joy to do it. It just, uh, it's it's very complex. I don't think that uh, straight business owners really go through this the same way because I think for us, we're still working through our, our identity all the time yeah. as queer people with everything we do in career or personal life. Yeah, and then a lot of people don't realize with photography, A, the, like you said, the expense, yes. and B, the time. And getting the results that don't come back right. It's because when I tell them we used to do our own photo shoots, I pay for it. So I'm like, yeah. okay, these people paid to be in here. This has got to be done. You've got to be able to see everything. And I have a photographer I use now who's good at that, who gets the swimwear or underwear in. So you see it and it's not just some hot guy and you're like, oh, what's he wearing? But it takes so long to shoot all the stuff. Mm -hmm. And then you have to check it, and then you have to go back, and then you have to... So I tell everyone, I was like, photo shoots suck. I'm just telling you, I don't like them. I know how to do them. I can do them well. I have my list. I have everything down. I check everything off. Yeah. Because I'm like, no, this has got to be done. Here's the sizes. Here's this. Mm -hmm. And... I'm good with models is sending out a shoot list beforehand with pictures. So there's no, Oh, I didn't know I'd be modeling insert item that they don't want to model. Yeah, um, we do. We do that too. We tell them what it's going to be. They, they always so, want to know. Cause they're all, they're always queer models too. We've only, we've only worked, I think with one straight model ever, <laughs> but um, the rest of all, especially the queer people, they go, what am I going to wear? What's, what's it going to be? So I always tell them, I'm like, yeah, it's like and, yeah. Uh, for our models, they get to keep the product. Uh, yeah, when, when they model for us. Yeah, us too, because I'm like, I'm not going to deal with it. Although for a while there, we had a ton of straight models with us who would never take the gear. And I'm like, damn it, the one time I need gay models to take all the gear, even if they didn't want it, they'd take it and give it away. Yeah. So yeah. Well, and and there, there's a whole there's a there is a beauty to product photography out there. There's some really great brands that you've mentioned on the on the on the show that um, they're just doing, I, I like how they do stuff. Uh, this is not in the sportswear category because we really, our focus is sportswear, but yeah. uh, you've brought up a lot of um, other references to like Candyman or whatever. And I've looked so much at Candyman stuff now, especially I bought from your store too. And um, on the surface, their images look like any old like sexy mm -hmm. underwear kind of stuff. But actually if you really look, they're paying attention to a lot of interesting details 
And yeah. uh, even for product photography, they're doing something that is kind of, it stands out to me. Uh, and this is stuff I don't expect customers to care about. There's most customers, you yeah, know, as you know like... they just want the product that they have in their mind, you know? And so exactly. um, our job is to just make it easy and not create barriers. You know, that's, I think that's also how we've gotten this far with the brand because now we started only with tights and t-shirts, but nowadays we make um, tights in three different variants, including high-waisted plus size. Uh, so the high-waisted oh, ones nice. go above the belly button because I've been a fat person myself. I was obese when I was a teenager. And when the waistband rolls over, I, I mean, this is yes. emotional. Like, I used to want to cry because I would be like, oh, my God, it's like rolling down. Like, other other dudes don't – it's like their underwear sits on the right place. So what I would do back then is I would kind of, like, yank it up a little bit. And uh, nowadays we make this this version of the tights, which is extremely high-waisted, but it's precisely because I know what it's like to have that uh, type of body. I mean, I hope it works for most customers. For some customers, they still will have a different preference, but we mm-hmm. make those three kinds of tights. We make the rusting singlets, and we continue to expand that and make more prints. We've got at least, uh, we're, I think we're, uh, we've got about 10 prints right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we launched body, uh, joggers last year. So joggers was yes. last year, and then um, bodysuits. Finally, those those arrived this year. We we tested them lightly last year, and they did really well. So we tested with just our VIP customers, and uh, they really liked them. And I was like, "Are we ready to go with this?" So we did, and now we, we're up on our fifth bodysuit. We dropped yesterday the '80s retro grape, so it's the '80s retro bodybuilding wow. stripes, but uh, it's got a low cut back. High front, it is lined, so technically you can use it as swimwear at the beach. And then uh, we're going to have other styles of bodysuits coming, because that's not the only one we're going to make. It's it's quite expensive, because it is is premium. It is something you can wear to the beach, so it is beachwear. But uh, we're going to have other ones coming later that are a little bit more focused on other kinds of performance in the gym, as well as just presenting differently, like a kind of a higher cut on the front, et cetera. Yep. So I'm really excited about that. We, and then I, this is pushing us into underwear. I mean, there's other underwear I want to make, but you know, people on TikTok know that I talk about this. Our focus is really to create underwear pieces that help queer people perform really well in sports and fitness. So while Candyman and some of these other brands make stuff that's really amazing for fetish, the bedroom, or your Twitter account, uh, for us, I mean, I think as far as I can see, the focus will always be make it gorgeous, make it sexy, make it super queer, but it must perform appropriately in a gym setting because that's my biggest complaint as a gym goer and a fitness person from a lifetime. Like, I can tell you so many stories, Tim, of brands that where I was like, this brand is amazing. Because it stayed in place, or it didn't get too sweaty, or it oh, didn't get yes. down. I was a marathon runner for a while, and like shirts that wouldn't make my nipples bleed were precious. Yes. And I was like, I cherish the brands that make that stuff. So that's still the aesthetic now, because um, I wear every single piece I make. I wear it to the gym. People here in Chicago know me, even in the street. People go, "Oh, you're the guy in the the bright tights." But um, it's always it's always with the focus of, is this the best? for performance. And I think that reflects my years as a founding, you know, editor at Wirecutter because the philosophy there was always like, can we recommend the best product for most people? Now, in my case now, I recommend the best product for queer people. So it's more specific, but um, that's, that's really who we are. I mean, 
my fallacy five years ago of thinking that I could market to the world, like that was really dumb. And once I started really focusing on who really is part of my life, which is the queer community, that's when LED Queens took off. Nice. Well, you're in the right place at the right time, too, because Spandex is getting a resurgence Mm -hmm. in the last few years, which is amazing in my part. Love it. And people are because you have people on Instagram like Spandex and Sprinkles who works out in total Spandex. I know him. Well, he wore our stuff on Netflix. Uh, he, he is. Was, he wore the Acid House uh, tights yeah, he uh, is when the, he was on the Netflix show. Yeah, he's the sweetest person. I love him to death. You have Brian. Brian. Yep. Brian's amazing. Uh, you have tons of other people now. Muscle, Muscle Dog Slayer. Uh, you've had him yes. on the show. Uh, amazing human being. He's actually uh, worn our stuff many times. He he's right now. I think he's made our queer as fuck uh, baseball hat really famous because anytime oh, nice. he's, he's posing in those little tiny posing trunks at his gym, which is amazing. That's right. He's always wearing our cap, and um, he's also worn our shorts. And uh, I think one of our shorts, yeah. at least the shorts, yeah. So, but you know, even for someone like him, like he's definitely our type of customer. And we're always trying to like hurry to make even more stuff that somebody like Muscle Dog Slayer would like. It just it takes us a while. I, you know, you know this, Tim. Some brands go too fast, too hard with like making everything oh, under yeah. the sun. And I learned uh, about three or four years ago. I was like, you got to slow down a little bit and just focus one thing at a time because uh, we even made some swimwear. Uh, what was it? Uh, four, almost four years ago. It was gorgeous. It was. It looked very LED Queens. We had these really cool prints that I designed myself. I remember that. Yeah, and um, the real story behind that is that I was really proud of those. I did. I was a younger business person then, so I didn't understand all the how to work with manufacturers as well. And the people who made that for us actually make competitive swimwear. They're 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 a good company, but the cost of making those speedos years ago outweighed the 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 return on investment i guess uh, oh, yeah. and so they were basically i would have had to make them really expensive and we're not a luxury brand like i think we're premium we're not luxury and so um i was like i can't list a fucking pair of speedos for 90 dollars because this is not prada okay and uh we did sell them i eventually had to like put them on clearance and they they went fast because i know the magic price of a speedo for oh, a yeah. person and I still get emails about once a month or DMs and they go, when are you going to bring Speedos back? When are you bring Speedos? And we've been working on it. But uh, this is why sometimes you don't see LED Queens products arrive as soon as you want. I'm not making that shit unless it actually is right. And it has to do with how it sits, the the fabric, the construction. I hate shit that falls apart. And yes doesn't resist wear and tear. And so with swimwear, it's actually quite difficult because possibly it's my obsession with like sportswear. I'm like, this has to perform well in a pool or Mm -hmm. or swimming. It can't just be pretty or thin. With swimwear, you have a pool has to perform in a pool with chlorine versus Mm -hmm. an ocean with salt with lakes. And then you have pools that are uh, salt-based and... Yeah, there's a lot that, and then the sun. And it it, it, it just destroys spandex. I mean, any brand will try it. All, even the biggest brands, they'll tell you, "Oh, this is chlorine resistant." No, they're fucking not. That means you don't understand chemistry. Like by yes. by definition, like chlorine is super harsh on the skin and fabrics. So if you buy a speedo, 
and I hope this is good advice for people because if you buy a Speedo as a gay and queer person, there's two possible use cases. It's either for fun mm-hmm. or you really love swimming and you're going to use it at the pool. If you buy something really cute that you think will transfer to the beach, you know, or whatever, but you're using it in the pool all the time, just nope. expect that to not last that long because uh, the chlorine really, it may not fade the colors, but the the thickness of the fabric will completely go away, you know, if you're just swimming like once or mm-hmm. twice a week. So, you know, this is a conversation I have with customers too, because our customers really do work out a lot. You've seen the selfies. Yep. And so I try to create as much as we can products that will last multiple, multiple washings or wear and tear. You do a good job at it. I will say. Thank it's you. Amazing. It's fun. The designs are fun, which takes me back to my my days in the 80s as a date myself, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was wonderful. The heyday of spandex, as I call it, <laughs> where you, everyone in the 80s wore spandex, no matter who you were. Yeah. And you wore it on, out and you worked out in it. You ran errands in it. And we're slowly coming back around to that. Because so, now the guys are not wearing the shorts over their runners anymore. Or well, most are not. Most yeah. are not. We see a great deal now that before it was like, oh, I'm wearing my shorts over it. Now it's like, I'm not wearing my shorts over it. But there's still some. So, so Tim, what? Uh, so I always recommend two garments under tights or spandex if you're going to show your bulge. Uh, I recommend either a good thong or a dance belt. But what do you recommend and what do you wear? Um, it depends on when I'm wearing it. So, you know, if you're wearing it for fun, it's usually nothing underneath. Usually nothing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you don't want nothing underneath. But usually if you're going to wear spandex, I would usually recommend a thong because you have the guys who want don't want lines under it because you can see everything. And then you have the guys who do. So we have guys who wear jocks under it because they want to show a jock line. Want to show the jock line, yeah, which is also valid. I mean, that that's our philosophy. We give tips on how to style these things and what underwear to wear. But I have to say it like a million times. I'm like, you get to choose it. You know why? Because we're not fucking straight people. Like the straight people are like when you grow up in sort of that environment, it's always like you yep. can't you you gotta like be present. You gotta do this. And I'm like, no. I think the beauty that we have as queer people is we get to investigate our own sexuality, our identity. And there's a time and a place, and you get to choose. Like, you don't want to wear underwear, yeah. go for it. You want to wear something really uh, compact that almost like tucks you in, go for it. Like, for we're it. not here to judge it. We're here to enable whatever choice you want to make. But we want to give you the best tips and materials and products to do that. I mean, I think this is the stuff I wish had existed when I was, you know, styling myself in my 20s and 30s. Oh, yeah, because I would wear... Well, back then I would wear these singlets with jocks because thongs were not as re- as prevalent as they are today. They were around. They weren't, yeah. But, but they were so risque back then. I remember I remember I, buying my first one at this little store yeah. and it was just like <gasps> Well, I mean, we all have that story. I was uh 20 I was 30 and I had this was I had I around my 30 like age of 30 I got into my first long-term relationship. And, you know, it was the first relationship where, like, we went on vacation and, like, we had, like, you know, weekend getaways and things like that. And for one Valentine's Day, I remember uh, 
as a joke, we went down to it because it was a joke to me back then because I was embarrassed. We went, we were staying at the Peni- yeah, not the Peninsula Hotel, the Intercontinental Hotel in Chicago because my that was where my mm-hmm. ex worked. So he got us a deal. And that day, you know, it's like our, our romantic getaway. We were like, let's let's go to um, Marshall Fields and buy some underwear. Let's buy some stuff, like make it sexy. And I think it was Calvin Klein that we bought, and we we each bought a thong. But I remember feeling embarrassed, giggling. You know, the thing that I hate now oh, yeah. when people talk about like spandex and tights and all this stuff, like I was even that person for thongs specifically. I was like, we put them on, and I was like, oh my god, I like. The problem was is. I found it really sexy, but I still like made it into a joke because I was not comfortable with myself. Mm-hmm. And I, I, after that instance, I never bought a thong again. I mean, it, it really like stayed like, like sealed, you know, in my mind. But uh, fast forward to, uh, again, when I was uh, releasing the How to Kill Superhero books specifically, I was going to fetish events. I was going to Comic-Con. I was always in a cosplay because I did. I had like 40 different superhero cosplays. And, uh, you know, I was in spaces that were not just queer or they weren't just fetish. Oh, yeah. Like when you go to Comic-Con, there's there's families, there's, there's uh, you know, everybody's there. And I was like, I, I don't actually want like, like the veins of my dick out there in front of everybody. And so that's when I really dug deep and I was like, there's no other choice, man. Like you're not going to wear a brief because Spider-Man doesn't have underwear lines on the sides and the back. No. I was like, and I was like, how's this going to be done? And I was like, well, it's going to be a thong or a dance belt. And both are great. But once I dipped in, I mean, I dipped in like now, you know, you guys have your episodes about different brands and stuff. And like, I have my own preferences. I love thongs. I think they're super sexy on every single man. And um, you've even gotten me to, you know, try out some of these other things that are a little bit even further, like lingerie stuff. I'm like, oh, yeah, let's try a few things from Candyman and, uh, you know, these these brands. But back to the thong. Like, all I'm saying is you have to be open as a person to discover who you are. Because yep. I really thought, like, the the joke of buying one for Valentine's Day, like, that that's all it was. But it really was in my mind. I was like, you think these are really sexy and you're keeping yourself from trying it. And once I started going for it, I was like, life got better. (laughs) Exactly. That's what we tell everyone. Go with what you like. Screw everyone. Wear it. You like a thong. You like a lace brief. You like lace thong. Whatever. And you know, yeah, and thongs are always on my mind. I mean, this is really like you can quote me on that, but they're always on my mind because it is to me the the best underwear for anything tight, even just like loose shorts mm-hmm. that are tighter. Like it's great. And we get requests at LED, like, hey, when are you gonna make thongs? We this has been on our plate. We've actually been working on it for a while, but this goes back to our design philosophy. If we wanted to make a thin, sexy thong that you know is like tissue paper which is okay, we would have made it a long time ago. What we're trying to do now, you know, within our resources, is to create something that is appropriate See, for sportswear, like to wear it to the gym, like the actual right gym thong, you know, like we're, we're working on that. And I think that's uh, something you, that, again, a lot of gym goers would want. If you make that, I know you would sell crazy because so many guys wear thong to the gym So if you have one performance for the gym, oh, my God, I hear people now going, I want it now. I want it now. They're getting their their phones ready. Like, where is it? They're like, my credit card's in my hand. Come on. Give it. 
But but for that reason, and I, I wanted to also bring this up here. Uh, people will see me do this on TikTok and Instagram all the time. I'm not afraid to recommend other products and other brands that are doing cool shit. And so mm-hmm. um, what I wear for my, my sports thongs, because we don't make them yet, but, you know, like uh, my favorite brand for anything performance related for thongs is Muscle Skins. Uh, they're rebranding. Yeah. Their site is going back up, I think, within a few days. Yeah. Um, and uh, by the time this is up, I think it'll finally be back up. Should be up. Yeah, I can't yeah. wait. And uh, they make amazing colors. They have really cool fabrics. But uh, without getting into the details for everybody here, like the the way they tailor it plus the selection of fabrics is what works, at least for my taste, in terms of going to the gym. Because I, I need something that not only looks good, but like, again, you want to wick moisture and do all the appropriate things for sportswear. So that's a great brand. And then out of all the other ones, I've tried many other brands, like all the famous ones everybody knows, but often they're, they have too much stuff going on. Or the material is like a cotton spandex, yeah. which I will always tell anybody, do not wear cotton spandex underwear if you're going to No, no. And they're great nope. for running too. For runners, I know runners always are like, I wear a jock. No, you don't wear a jock. Wear, wear a thong. Like a thong is actually, I mean, unless you're doing like long distance marathon, you might actually chafe your, your yeah, crack. Yeah, that would not be good. But, you know, again, if you find the right brand, it might work. But I will say, talking about muscle skins, I want their little muscle suit they have made out of spandex, whatever they have their model wearing, that little suit he has with the muscles. Oh yeah, well they they use like a little three D mascot now, right? Or a yeah, model. yeah, it's super Or they cute. put the model in the in the because he's showed him with his face to today or so, and he's like, oh, look at that! I was like, I want the suit. I want that suit. It's just so cute to me for some reason. It's just, I want the little muscle suit. Maybe they'll make it. They may. But, Who uh, knows. They make a great product for for sports performance. And then for dance belts, I recommend Dance Jocks. That's based out of Wisconsin. The owner is not queer, but he's super queer friendly because he's a ballet dancer and teacher. I swear to God, like their their, uh, dance belts are as comfortable as a very good jock strap, but it's actually a dance belt. So um, and they make them in uh, a color variant actually for people of color. Like it's it's like a dark brown uh, dance belt. Yeah. So it's very unique. And I'm yes. not affiliated with them. I just, you know, we, we've, I used to mention them in my cosplay videos years ago, but it still comes up because uh, I don't think we're going to be making dance belts <laughs> at LED Queens, but sometimes people want one. And so uh, we recommend them. Yeah. I like, the one thing I like about you is the same thing I do. I recommend all sorts of brands. Even right. if I don't sell them. I love them. There's the, I love the industry as a whole. And there's so many good people in the industry. Yeah. That makes so many good things. It's like, oh, well, you need to try so-and-so and so-and-so. And, and, you you know, you need to do this. So-and-so just came out with this. Check this out. And no brand is all things to all people. Because, you know, I get customers sometimes where they go, can you please make uh, tights with a hole in the ass? Or can you make uh, tights with, like, the, the huge pouch for the front, you know? And I go, well, you know, we focus, again, on sports and gym wear. But I'm never afraid to say, why don't you go check out end-to-end or any of these other brands? Like, they will make that. And if I can stand by the product, because many times I've tested it myself, I'll be like, yeah, go pick this one up and it's worth it. Because it is a really small community. And I think business owners need to trust their own product more. 
So in other words, you can recommend other brands when the when the instance comes up because you have to trust that what you make is also standing up as a quality product. But we don't make like for example lingerie, like we we make the bodysuits now, but they're not styled truly as un, uh, lingerie because we don't use black lace or certain kinds of cuts. And so if people want something like that, I'll be like, "Hey, you know, go go check out uh Tim's store." You're going to find yeah. some amazing lingerie there and uh, it'll give you what you need. But if you want something that, again, like you could wear to the beach or you can put uh, under a pair of joggers to go lift at the gym, that's going to be LED Queens. Yes. So that was a great show because we talked on so many different topics. Um, I was not expecting to go this long with you because usually we go about 30 minutes and we've gone longer than that. <gasps> But that's not a bad thing. Um, <laughs> I, I talk conversation. a lot. It's a good conversation. Most people won't even notice the link when they listen. Well, the, some people go, oh, it's that long. And then when you listen to it, you won't even know it's that long. And I like people who like to talk because it's a podcast and you need people who talk. Well, and if I just can just add here as we close, close up, uh, you know, I chatted with you right before we started the show. But, you know, it's 2022. Uh, our planet, the whole planet, is in crisis, and a lot of our rights and privileges are on the line. Especially if you look at what's going on with the Supreme Court, uh, the elections coming up, we're we're in trouble, and oh, yeah. we need to come together. And I never realized just how much queerness and validating who we are as a community would converge with what I do. But of course, we will deliver to you. Gorgeous, colorful, neon-inspired, skin-tight spandex that will just, you know, make you just go crazy. But if I, you know, if I can just get one thing across is that we're, we're really here to promote and validate who we are as queer people. We are different than the mainstream. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have discovered ourselves in a way that's actually maybe deeper than what the straight cisgendered world does, uh, because we have to starting from the time when we're, you know, conscious, like we know we're different and we're exploring it all our lives. And so for me to celebrate that with led Queens, that's really the heart of it. It's about the people who wear led Queens. And, uh, I just hope that whether you choose our products or not, that you really can find it in yourself always to be brave, be strong, and do not be afraid to put yourself out there visually to present yourself to the world the way that you want, because life is quite short. And the straight cisgendered world and the white corporate America will never give that to you. It's something you have to go get yourself. And so if you're feeling a little like, you know, unsure, and you're like, how do I get it myself? That's where community starts. Talk to other people, listen to the podcast like this one, because this is a great community builder. And beautiful things happen from there. So that's the embodiment of our catchphrase for LED Queens, which is keep it queer. There you go. So tell them where they can buy your amazing gear if they don't already know. Great. Yeah. Uh, So this comes up a lot. People have asked me many years ago. They ask me every day. They go, "Uh, where's your store? You know, do you have a physical location? Uh, We don't have a physical location. I chose e-commerce and online shopping as our platform years ago. And that's really where we're focused on. And that's allowed us to 
sell to customers all around the world. We have customers in Japan, Europe, China, Singapore, and it's one single place. So this is going to be real easy, y'all. Go to ledqueens.com. If you have questions, we have a contact page. If you have questions, DM us on Instagram, ledqueens. I'll be answering the DM. And if you want to engage with us, I really encourage you to follow us on TikTok. It's ledqueens underscore fitness. And that's a place where you you cannot DM us. We don't have those available, but you can stitch us. You can reuse my sounds and you can get a real deeper window into what we do and who I am. Um, Because TikTok is doing something that Instagram and the other social media platforms are not. So Mm -hmm. if you, you know, if you want to check that out, we're there. And uh, of course, I'm I'm also on LinkedIn. So if you look for Cesar Torres, I'm there. And uh, I do have to mention my own personal website because sometimes people want to find my books as well. Uh, that's cesartorres.me, C-E-S-A-R-T-O-R-R-E-S.me. Um, but honestly, if you just want to keep it really simple, y'all, just go to ledqueens.com. Everything flows from there. See, just go there. You need some great gear. Oh, one more thing. Uh, uh-huh. We do offer, uh, this is always, this always comes up. Uh, we do offer uh, free returns for U.S. customers. If you purchase from us internationally, we unfortunately cannot refund you. We, we don't have exchanges, refunds, or whatever for, for that customer. So you must, if you're unsure about the sizing, message us because we'll help you choose the right size so that you do end up with the right size because it's not refundable and then uh our policy has also just been upgraded because like i said we have free um free returns for u.s customers we don't exchange you just get to return it like amazon but the bodysuit because it's our entry into underwear uh those are not returnable because that's underwear and i think it's worth mentioning that oh Uh, yeah because I never want people to spend money on something that isn't going to be perfect for them. Uh, but like I said, we ship worldwide, and uh, it won't always be this way, but most of the time when you're getting customer service interactions, it's going to be me. So I can't wait to talk to you and to see how amazing you're going to look in LED Queen's fitness apparel. You'll look amazing. I'm just saying. Look as sexy. Every shape, every curve, every muscle. Just We have the... I told you at the beginning, we have the sexiest, best customers in the fucking world. They do. They're amazing. Thank you. So other brands, I'm sure, are jealous of what you've created with your customers. Well, well, it's that community. But we do share those customers with other brands because they they engage with, you know, all the other brands that make stuff maybe similar to us. So uh, I'm here to celebrate that, too. We're not, you know, we're not here to just be the only one. But uh, the community of LED Queens is unique. If you see how the customers engage with me and what we talk about, uh, there is a certain um, dialogue and language that is unique to what we do because we don't just, when, this is just my philosophy. I'm, just, I'm not just interested in like muscular, pretty bodies. I'm sorry. Like what I want is depth and what I want is to discover who people are. And that's when things get interesting because with a brand like this, you can build community and really um, expose yourself to people who are, you know, amazing and have great stories to tell. Exactly. So thank you again for coming on our show. We'll we'll definitely have to have you back soon. Anytime. uh, Because you're fun to talk to and have great conversations. Go follow him. Go follow him on TikTok, Instagram. Go buy his gear. Go do everything. And you know where to find us. 
and we will have another podcast for you very soon. I'm not going to say when because we haven't recorded yet. So bye, everyone. Have a great week. Bye. Thank you. Thanks for listening to our show. If you like what you hear, consider supporting us at Patreon at patreon.com slash UNB blog. Follow us on social media. You can follow the blog at UNB blog on Twitter and Instagram. Read the blog at unbblog.com. Also follow me if you like art or anything else fun and underwear at unbtim on Instagram and also Twitter. Thanks for listening, and we'll have more podcasts at you very soon. Bye.